temp check. What kind of summer are we having this year? A family road trip summer? A beach bum summer? Or a wake me when the sun sets summer? With Instacart, choose your own adventure and skip the shopping side quests. Where available, you can get ice cream delivered to your hotel, sunscreen to the pool, or cold brew to your bed. Well, door. In as fast as 30 minutes. Wherever you find yourself this summer, you can get the goods. Download Instacart for free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Excludes restaurants. Additional terms and fees apply. Hey, I'm Marty Leonard's. I'm Marty Rosenbaum. It's the Marty and Marty podcast. We both work at 93XRT. Uh, you may have heard us talk about this before, but both of us have never worked with anyone named Marty. But we work together, and we also share the same birth date. So we are basically joined together at the hip. We're joined together somehow. We're very disappointed because there's uh, an, an intern for the summer also named Marty. And we're, we've been considering and talking about this, whether we should allow him to say or have Marty as his name, he may have to be referred to only by his last name. Yeah, I mean, it took me about two years just to even have Marty Leonard's recognize me, so this, this kid's got some work cut out for him. Yeah, the thing is, if I meet someone named Marty, I'm best friends with that person because I don't know that many people named Marty. Yeah, same here. So I mean, here we are. Handful of people. Now, the reason we're talking to you today and why it sounds like we're in a car is because we're in a car and we're driving to Milwaukee uh, to see Jack White second date of his 2018 tour. He just started it last night in Detroit. Yeah, I'm really excited. His latest album, Boarding House Reach. I've only heard a couple tracks, the ones that we've been playing on the radio. It's totally different. It's uh, it's not uh, easy listening music. I don't think it's going to get him many new fans, but it's uh, it's out there. Yeah. It's I wild. I heard someone describe it as his Frank Zappa phase. It kind of and is. I'm, I'm a huge Zappa fan, so that has me really excited, but I didn't want to listen to the entire album until I saw him live. I really, really? Like, yeah, I really like getting my first exposure to new music to be in a live setting because when you're in a studio, an artist can have you know a lot of tools at their disposal, but when they're performing it live, that's their you know final vision, right. their vision for how it's going to sound. So I'm really, and with someone like Jack White who always extends the boundaries of what music can be, I think it'll be really really cool to be first exposed to some of those songs. No, I think you're right. And, uh, yeah, the record, like you said, it's a zap, it's been called a Zappa phase. But there's also a lot of Parliament Funkadelic, so it's uh, it's very 70s sounding in a, in a real sort of experimental funk way. Uh, not what you would expect from Jack White, but... Hey, that's perfect because I'm actually wearing a Funkadelic shirt. You are now! The, ma- the Maggot Brain album cover. Are you really? Yeah, under my uh, jacket. Is that just random? It was. Wow. So it's, that's a good omen. I was going to wear my um, my Dan Auerbach um, uh, sound. What the, what's, the, uh, what's the name of his studio? Easy, Easy Eye, Eye sound. sound. I was going to wear the Easy Eye Sound, but then I thought that was in bad taste to yeah. wear that to a check. He, he, he may not have been let into the concert. I may not have been. May not have been. But this is going to be great. Uh, I've had... Uh, well, oh, my God, we're passing Great America. Yeah. How about that? Look at that. I would never get on that roller coaster. I'm not a roller no. coaster guy. No, I love roller coasters. Do you really? There's no middle ground. You either love them or you hate them. Yeah. But you, you've spoken with Jack White before, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, a bunch of times. Uh, a couple of times with the Tours, once with Dead Weather, once with Meg, and once with uh, just him. Once with just him. The, my favorite, the first time I ever spoke with him was at Bonnaroo. And it was what would prove to be the White Stripes' final tour. 
Uh, it was one of the first shows of the, of the tour. And as a sidebar, the coolest thing, uh, well, I get to that. But uh, he was do, he was doing like two interviews. He was doing one with MTV, one with me, and one with a puppet. <laughs> so I was in the middle. What network was the puppet with? Um, I don't Sesame know. Street. It was like it was some kind of puppet show. So uh, he and Meg talked to uh, MTV, and it was I have to say it was kind of lame because it was the person who was doing the interview was reading questions right off of a piece of paper. Uh, it was like more. bullet point questions, right? Yeah. So then it was my turn. And as they're getting it ready, and they're also shooting it on video because it's going to be on the Blue Room, the AT&T Blue Room website. As they're, they're setting it up, uh, from out of nowhere comes the film director, Jim Jarmish. He just comes walking up. And he goes up to Jack White, and they stand up, and they hug, and they talk, and Meg's just sitting there not really paying attention. And then Jarmish points to me and says, who's this guy? <laughs> and Jack's like, I don't know. And he comes over, and he starts fake fighting with me. Like, gets me, tries to get me in a headlock. And I'm like, what, what, are you, what the hell is going on? <laughs> so then that ends, and... Uh, I look at Jack, and we're sitting there. I said, but that was Jim Jarmusch, right? And he goes, yeah. He goes, but you know what? You can always say this, that Jim Jarmusch tried to fake fight with you. <laughs> I said, okay, that's great. So then we did the interview. It was pretty cool. It was him and Meg. And uh, Meg had not had been, like, away for a long time. She was, like, living in L.A. And he had done the rack on tours in between, in between the, the final two White Stripes records. Yeah. So I remember asking him, like, so what, uh, what did, what's your takeaway from uh, being with the Raconteurs? And he said it made him a better guitarist. Because all we did was play guitar, made me a better guitarist. It's been so great. And then I asked Meg, I asked him another question. I asked Meg a question. I said, so what have you been doing? She goes, oh, relaxing. And then I asked Jack a question, and then he said, Meg, you want to take that? <laughs> and she's like, oh, okay. But he, it was cool because he was trying to bring her into it. Right. Well, she was she was sort of detached. I was going to ask, what, what was the dynamic like during the interview? I'm sure, you know, they, they have a much different dynamic when the microphones aren't there. But you know, he he always seemed like the de facto leader. But well, they weren't really communicating much. But he's very serious. He's super super duper serious in an interview. You know, if you ask him good questions, he's right there. Yeah, and he's pretty cool. Uh, so that ended, and then he went and did the puppet, and then he played, and they played on not on the second largest stage which is a much smaller stage of Bonnaroo and it was like 5 o'clock in the evening and that weekend John Paul Jones from Led Zeppelin was at the festival because he performed with with Questlove and Ben Harper they did a Zeppelin tribute thing at the Super Jam and he had a band some band that he was producing was playing there and he ended up staying for the whole weekend he was everywhere he just after a while was just like oh yeah look there's uh, John Paul Jones but while the White Stripes were playing, and I'm standing there with a, a couple of friends, and I get poked, and I'm like, look at this, look at this. And I look to my right, and there's John Paul Jones playing air guitar to the White Stripes. Wow. wow. Which was just cool. I mean, yeah. it's like the guy who influences, part of the influence of Jack White is they're playing air guitar along to the yeah. music. So when it was over, we go back and get to see Jack again, and course because he remembered me it was only about an hour before did he try to fake fight you at that point no he didn't that's good so i said 
you won't believe this, but John Paul Jones was playing air guitar to your set. <laughs> and he's like, no way. I'm like, yeah. And he goes, wow, that's crazy. I said, yeah. Wow. So that was cool. And then I see Jarmish again, and I walk up to him, and I said, um, hey. And he goes, oh, wow. He goes, man, I'm so sorry. I apologize. I don't know what I was doing. And then I said, well, I, I, I'm a big fan of yours, and I just saw that your movie, uh, Coffee and Cigarettes, I really liked it. And he goes, oh, that? He goes, that? No. That's nothing. I'm like, okay, whatever. I, I liked it. Maybe he was just being humble. Well, I think what happened with that movie, it was made over like 10 years' time, and they just, he would do these these little vignettes with people, and then they patched it together. Yeah. It was more like a bit film for him, it was a bunch right. of bits. So, that's my Jack you, White story. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I don't have anything, so I'm just going to keep asking you about it. Have you. Can you have you seen him evolve over the years? You know, yes. In a, in a personal sense, because you can hear it in his music, and that oh yeah, been yeah. more apparent than his latest album. Okay, that... first time I saw the White Stripes, it was at Metro, and uh, it was probably just after um, after the second record, maybe I don't know. It was the first time I, I had a chance to see him. They're still playing at Metro, and I remember watching the show and thinking to myself. I don't know how long the White Stripes are going to be the White Stripes, but I think this Jack White guy is going to be around forever. Yeah, because he was he was so great. You know, they and, and they covered that uh, Dolly Parton song Jolene, which came out of left field, and it was pretty raw at the time. You know, it was really really great. And then the lab, would that have been the last time? The last time I saw him was at in Chicago the two shows at the Chicago Theater and at the Auditorium and at the Chicago Theater he was the band leader for that band uh, pretty much calling all the shots and they have no set list and the the band had no idea what they were going to play and it just all happened in the moment and to watch him change things and go up and talk to people during the show calling audibles he was like Peyton Manning you know doing a show and the reason I knew that he that there was no set list before the show, we broadcast the first show at the Chicago Theater, and I was there really early, just kind of hanging out. And I saw one of the guys in the band. I figured he was in the band. I went up and I just struck up a conversation. I said, "You know, record the show tonight. It's pretty cool." He said, "Oh yeah, well that's great." And I said, "So what's the set list like?" And he goes, "I don't know." <laughs> I go, "What do you mean you don't know?" He goes, "I never know." I go, "So how do you guys do the show?" He goes, "Well, we just have to be ready to do anything at any minute." Wow. And I was like, wow, that's crazy. That is insane. I know. Because even like, you know, even, even like Fish or the Grateful Dead. They have a plan. They have a plan for what they're going to do. They may improvise parts, but they know what songs are coming. And these guys had no idea. None. Wow. None. And they would change, like in the middle of songs. Yeah. So they had to be ready to do that I remember times. that, that sh- I was at that show in the, in the audience, and... Yeah, there were some so- there were some songs he would start and only play for a minute, and then just decide he was going to go into something else. Right. Those, his backing band was incredibly talented. That's got to be a whole nother level of talent to have just to be able to adjust to those. Yeah, changes. well, I think some of those guys were in the, uh, the previous band, like the Men Band, and uh, and Lily May, she was in the uh, in the uh, wim- women's band. Right. When they did the, the two bands for right, the show, right. I know it's crazy. Well, and th- what's interesting about this show and this record is he 
toured with a lot of hip hop musicians. Yeah. People that have a hip hop background. That's what they say. Uh, so I'm really interested to see how that works out. Yeah, well, you know, he certainly is one of the most interesting artists. And uh, what he did on Saturday Night Live I thought was pretty great. Yeah. I enjoyed that playing uh, St. Vincent's guitar. Yeah, that was cool. Or the St. Vincent model guitar, which she was pretty excited when did she, she I was going to ask him if he saw her response. Yeah, it was crazy. She's like, like she oh, wow. Went on Twitter like, holy effing ass. Yeah. Uh, he's actually playing my guitar. Uh, so it should be nuts, fun. Right? So Jack White is about 40 years old, still a pretty young guy, but has been around for a long time. Yeah. Why yeah. do you think there hasn't been another rock star like that that has started to grow and we've seen that evolution similar to like the White Stripes or the Black Keys, but just that just that pure showman that Jack White has that you, you don't really see anyone in their 20s that's like that? No. No. I mean, there's only a handful of people like that in the history of rock and roll. Yeah. It may and, not be a fair question. Yeah. I mean, we're lucky enough to have been able to see Jack White progress like that I mean it wasn't that long ago it wasn't 20 years ago he was playing you know drums with Hoover and the Peas yeah so it's been a been a crazy thing it's it's all it's also amazing how like the two artists and it's funny that they have uh, this rivalry at least it might only be a one-sided rivalry but um, both guys moving from the Midwest to Nashville and really taking Advantage of everything that Nashville has to offer, and that would be both Jack and Dan Auerbach. Um, you know, they get to work with all these people. Jack works with Loretta Lynn. Dan Auerbach works with uh, John Prine and uh, Dr. John, and yeah. you know, and, and now tours with those uh, session guys who played on, on great sessions back in the '60s. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, they, you know, and you can also. And you can hear the evolution. Well, definitely, and there's such different artists, because Auerbach really has more of a pop sense than Jack does. Jack doesn't seem to even be interested in that. But uh, Dan is really become a, a pop producer. He knows how to make a hit-sounding song. Yeah. The Cage the Elephant songs that became hits, that's because of him. Yeah. You know? And you can hear it, and he has he has a sound. He does. Well, that's the thing I was going to say. Both artists have carved out their own sounds. Right. Even if they're not, like in Dan Arbach's case, where if he's not writing the song and he's not featured on it, but he produces it, you can tell that Still he has his hands like, on it. Yeah. Exactly. And I think a lot of, with Dan, has come from his, uh, the influence of Danger Mouse. Yeah. Danger Mouse, I think, really taught him what you can do in a studio. Yeah. And and have that sound and now like Richard Swift who is a is a producer and who is in the uh, touring Black Keys and was in the Arcs when he produces a record like the new Nathaniel Rateliff it's got that sound again it does yeah. it, it still has that same kind of echoey sort of um, retro sound right and they all have that hook you know whether it's like a guitar riff or bass line can you figure out how to turn down this air conditioner it's freezing in here yeah how do you turn it off I think I'll just do this so that way it's not blowing right on our face. Why is it even on? I don't know. Maybe we have to turn a little heat up or something. Yeah, let's turn it All right, whatever. Okay, back to where we were so talking So anyway, this <laughs> is getting a little chilly. Uh, yeah, all, the, all of those records and all the songs have the hook 
but it's like a guitar riff, you know, chord progression. It is something that you knew from Richard Swift and our man Jack White yeah. put together. Like that's why that's why I really like about that song over and over and over is that song would fit with so many different Jack White outfits. Yeah. But it would only work with Jack White. And right. you knew that even like, if you know, other artists were performing it, that Jack White wrote that. Well, there, there doesn't seem to be anyone else who has that same guitar sound that he has. Yeah. You know, he's, he's pretty amazing. Yeah. Over and Over is kind of a polarizing song. It is? Yeah, some people can't, can't uh, don't like it at all. Is that because... Here's my biggest gripe with the reviews I've been reading about Jack White. And he had, he had a great self-deprecating quote about himself, which I'll get to after this, but a lot of people don't seem to like it just because they don't like Jack White. And they aren't like... I don't know if they're... There isn't that blow your socks off instantly, like Seven Nation Army no, type no song. Like that, no. And it takes... It, it, it takes an effort to listen to. Yeah. And... I'm really happy that he did that because I love music like that. Uh, but it's clearly not for everyone. That's not and really Jack White, in some interview where he was self-deprecating, mentioned that. He said, you know, I think people are just automatically dismissive, dismissive of me and they expect to see headlines like, oh, Jack White starts to record in World War II submarine to find the right reverb. It's <laughs> <laughs> pretty funny. Well, I think... Um what we alluded to earlier, the Zappa nature of it, that turns people off, I think. Yeah. Those crazy uh, background vocals, which I really like, and they're done by, uh, by like a, uh, a very famous and legendary gospel singing group from Nashville. Oh, really? Yeah. The McCrary Sisters. And, uh, you know, they're no slouches. Right. Well, that's, I guess that's the most disappointing thing is there's so much talent musically that goes into it from all ends yeah and creativity and that just gets poo-pooed because you don't have the Seven Nation Army type song yeah it'll be interesting to see because I don't I don't even get new Glarus at that um, EP by the way okay there was on the sign yeah we just passed the Mars Cheese Castle on the oh left my also, god so we'll be set uh, we are in Wisconsin yes referred to earlier in our conversation <laughs> about Wisconsin yeah which you may or may not ever hear yeah, that'll be a different chapter. Yeah. Maybe maybe some bonus footage. But we are in Dairyland. Look at there are silos, farms. Yeah. On our way to Milwaukee. Yeah, but this it's going to be a great show. Can't wait to see it. And um, the second part of this conversation will be us coming home and uh, talking about what we just saw. Yeah. No, but not too many people have seen Jack White yet. He's only done one show. So we're really early on, early on this, and he's not going to play in Chicago until Lollapalooza. Is he going to do an after show? Who knows? Probably. I would. I wouldn't count on it. Um, Fingers crossed, but you never know. Who knows? But uh, yeah, it's I'm kinda... really, I'm really excited to do the review after the show because I've done concert reviews before, but it's always come the next day, and I'm always blogging about it, and that presents its own challenge because yeah, you want to write a lot about the show, but you don't want to just have a wall of text. Right. That you know is a ten thousand word essay on. We it. would um, surreptitiously and covertly record some of it, but this show they <laughs> they're not allowing cell phones into the venue. You have to take your cell phone and put it in some kind of uh, sleeve. It's a pouch. A uh, pouch. It's the same thing. I went to see. Do we get to keep it you, afterwards? There, I think you can. There's, we can keep the pouch. I think so. Why did you want to keep the pouch though? 
You need to think. You need to think to open it. I saw Chris Rock at the Chicago Theater. Who opens it? And he used it. Well, they have a. It's like a little mat. You know the security locks they have on clothes at uh, retail stores or like clothing stores. Yeah. It's similar to that. So it's going to take forever for people to get out of the uh, venue. Yeah, and to get in, it takes a while. So we're not bringing our phones so that we can make a quick getaway. Exactly. Because we have to drive all the way back to Chicago. Yeah, and he's not going on until 9 o'clock at night. And he'll probably play, I hope he plays for a long time, you know, at least two hours. He's playing two. It's 9 to 11. It's 11, all right. But who knows? He could go longer. I mean, that was the Chicago Theater show that he played in 2015, supposed to go for as long as it did. That was like almost a three-hour show. Right. And they were so excited about the fact that this was the longest show ever. Yeah. Longer than even any White Stripe show. It beat it by a few minutes. You know, the fun thing about that was, it was weird. Um, We broadcast the show live, right? Uh, In real time. And on Setlist FM, someone someone was listening to it on the radio and putting the set list up in real time really yeah so that's cool so they would start a song and like 30 seconds later bam the song pops up on setlist fm along <laughs> with trivia first time since uh 2014 you know that kind of thing yeah it was that's great wild. and uh his manager came over uh matt and i'm like hey, Matt, you gotta check this out someone's posting the uh the song the set list in real time. This is so great. It's really helping us out. I, in fact, I thanked the guy. It also happened with Wilco when we did Wilco last night. Right. Someone did it in real time. So that guy always gets a shout out at the end of the broadcast. <laughs> set list FM guy. Yeah. Whoever, whoever it whoever was, whoever you are, whoever you are who are posting uh, in real time on set list FM, thank you so much. Now, during these live broadcasts, how much are you speaking in the middle of show obviously not 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 all songs are playing but in between you just want to leave the ambience of the crowd you You don't don't want to say anything right you you do it at the beginning you do it at the end of the set fill some time before the encores then come back and do a rap that's basically it my favorite one of those ever was we did a a ben harper show at uh, the big theater and when it was over and i'm doing the rap he comes over and he uh, puts on a set of headphones and grabs a mic. And he joined you. He did. Huh. So it was like a post-game wrap-up. Yeah. It was great. It's like a press conference. It was. <laughs> How did it feel out there? How did it feel for you? How's it playing with these guys? How do you guys play tonight? Yeah, how's the audience? Everything good? <laughs> Tell us when you uh, did, you know, it was like that. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. He's a big uh, sports fan, so he got the uh, he got the reference for the post-game wrap-up. Yeah. That's funny. That's the only time that's ever happened. I've tried to, to loop like people standing there, you know, and, and they're like, no, 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 don't want to do it. Any of the musicians or just people? Musicians, on the side yeah, of the like, stage? yeah. See if you can pull someone on. Yeah. Well, that's got, uh, yeah, that's got to be tough for them because they are so regimented and have such a routine. Even like after a show, you know, you figure that doing anything else would be throwing it off and. and it could make for interesting conversation. Yeah. But you don't know what you're going to get. It's not as... What are you expecting out there tonight? What are you expecting out there tonight? Yeah. How do you think the weather's going to play into this? <laughs> the wind's coming a little east. Air conditioning has a nice draft. So, yeah. Yeah, that's going to be fun. But uh, I, I'm... Uh, we should look up the venue and see how large it is. I'll see if I can get service. It's at the Rave... 
Yeah, it's called Rave Slash Eagles. It's a pretty famous club. In fact, I'm sure many people listening to this have been there. It's downtown. It's right near Miller Park. Is it really? It is. Which would have been great had there been a ball game today. Are the Brewers playing tonight? Are we going to baseball traffic? don't know. That would be bad. Eagles Club. Oh, look at this. It's... Jack White, and then the next event they have listed is Jonathan Davis of Corn. <laughs> so maybe we should make a uh, return trip. <laughs> May 4th. Love me some Mark corn. Mark your calendar. Love my corn. The building is divided into six venues, making it theoretically possible to have six different acts playing at the same time. Wow. Wow. That's, so it must be large. The Eagles Ballroom is a building showpiece featuring a 25,000 square feet oval wooden dance floor. I would guess that's where it will be. That's probably it, yeah. Bob Dylan's played there six times. Uh, Sex Pistols, Morrissey, The Killers, Grateful Dead, White Stripes. That's where we'll be. Green Day, yeah. Paul Westerberg, solo. So it has a long history. Is there a restaurant in the place? I don't know. I'm hungry. Just reading the Wikipedia. (laughs) I wonder what Jack White's uh, catering choices would be. It'd be fun to get our hands on his rider. Especially after the whole guacamole outrage of a few years ago. What was that? He played a concert in Oklahoma for, I think, either Oklahoma University or Oklahoma State University. Uh-huh. And the student newspaper published his writer, and I guess didn't get permission to do so. And he has a very specific guacamole recipe on how he likes his guacamole made. Really? And... Of course, the internet took it and ran with it and started making fun of them. Look at all the snow. snow. Unreal. But it became a running joke. It's like, oh, you know, Jack White is hyper pretentious about his guacamole. But I think in, in writers, I tend to give artists the benefit of the doubt now because a lot of that is put in just to make sure that people are paying attention since there could be, you know, potentially. I don't even know what kind of writers like, they have anymore. It's yeah. like, this is catering. And look at the bands that we see at the Chicago Theater. The catering is catering. That's what it is. Yeah. That's what you're getting. <laughs> you're getting this. You're not, yeah, you're not going to run well, they, out. They may have suggestions, but none of that seems too weird. I get in, you know, eat some of the catering every now and then. 3,500 people. That's the big. capacity. That's big. And then, yeah. Smaller than the Aragon. Yeah, what's the Aragon is? 4,200, something like that. Okay. 4,000. So it's not quite Park West like we were told before. Ooh, I wonder if we'll be in a VIP section since we're getting the tickets from his management. That would be fun. That'd be nice. If Matt, Matt sees that someone from XRT is coming, come on! I would hope so. We got that kind of pull these days. You know what we really should have done is come up in the third man records uniform, which is like a black suit, <laughs> black suit. yellow tie, red yeah. tie, yeah. top hat. Yeah. We could probably get anywhere we want. Maybe I, can, maybe I can buy that at the merch desk. Yeah. <laughs> merch table. Well, anyway, we're looking forward to the show. And uh, next time you hear us, it will be after the show. Yeah. So. Really excited to see it tonight and give everyone a report back Okay. On Part two on the way. Okay. We're here for uh, part two of the, uh, the Marty and Marty podcast. I'm Marty Leonard's along with Marty Rosenbaum, and now we're on our way home from the Jack White show. Marty, what'd you think? Uh, it's it's a post game show right now. It is. It is. It was. A, Do you have the totals for us? Uh, yeah. Let me get the lineup. <laughs> Look at the box score afterwards. No, it was a uh, a short but sweet show. 
clocking in only around 90 minutes in total. Yeah, but it so, was uh, it was an intense show. It felt it felt longer than that just because it. Uh, I don't know. It did. We danced the whole time. Basically, yeah. everybody just danced, which is weird. You ne- you wouldn't expect a Jack White show to turn into a dance party. Right. But. There weren't any slower, longer ballads uh, no. that there were at some of his previous shows. So the whole concert was intense. Uh, very upbeat, like Marty said, lots of dancing. Oh, he kept a funk and, groove, a funky yeah. groove, like a 70s Parliament Funkadelic thing yeah. throughout. It was great. Even when it um, when it got hard-edged and rocked, it still had that basis of uh, that funk. Yeah, it that was... funk bass line and all that going on. It, it sounded like a lot, of, a lot of it was blended, you know, like you're blending Funkadelic almost with like a Led Zeppelin guitar riff, like over and over. Yeah. When he played that, I think that was his second, third song that he yeah, played. Over he played and, it early on. I liked Over and Over Live um, more than than the way it is, uh, the way it sounds on the record. I, I like it on the record enough, but it's uh, it's kind of wiggier and crazier. This one was just straight ahead, hard rock funk. Yeah. And the background vocals were different. The McCrary sisters were not there, so it didn't have those like Frank Zappa-esque background vocals, but man... It was just a big bowl of funk and rock. Yeah, as I mentioned on the drive up here in part one, I had heard very little of his new album, only the stuff that we've been playing on XRT, and I wanted this to be my first exposure to the record, and I'm really happy I made that decision, because all the songs that he played from the album, even songs presumably that I didn't know that were from the album, sounded fantastic. Mm -hmm. It was an awesome mix of psychedelia, funk... And hard-edged rock and prog, yeah, very proggy. Um, you could you could tell, like you're saying. I think you, you turned to me during the show and during "Connected by Love," and said that it would still retain a lot of soulfulness, even though he didn't have the backup singers with him. It was like a gospel, it was yeah. more of a gospel song. Yeah, more of a gospel song than without without the gospel singers. Yeah, exactly. He was preaching. He was he was doing the preacher act. He made a heavy use of uh, samples, like recorded vocals that he would play, mm-hmm. and I think that he had uh, that backing soundtrack during part of the tracks where he would have one of his musicians trigger it. But yeah, it, it still retained a very soul soulful factor. He also did some old White Stripe songs that obviously went over really well with the audience. Yeah, Hotel Yorba, Fell in Love with a Girl. Yeah, No Seven Nation Army. No Seven Nation Army. But that's okay. <laughs> no, none of those uh, Latter-day ones. Um, uh, salu- uh, did they do Salute Your Solution? No. No, but they did uh, Steady As She Goes. Steady As She Goes. The yeah. Tour's song, and mm-hmm. they played uh, a Deadweather song, I Cut Like a Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A, that was a slowed-down version. I know a lot of his older tracks, I noticed he slowed down, played a, a slower tempo tonight than what mm-hmm. we've seen in the past. Even Fell In Love With The Girl, which is a quick song. And he did uh, his final slow. song. Uh, the final song of the night was a really great version of Lazaretto. Yes. That went on for a long time. Yes. And um, what else? Uh, yeah. It was good. Yeah. I think if this is what you're going to see at Lollapalooza, it'll be a great show. Now, it'll be a much different environment because the venue that we went to, for me, was a smaller size Aragon. Yeah. And instead of it being longer, it was really horizontal. So you're up, we were up pretty close to the stage on the right-hand side, but it's a much wider room than, yeah. like, an Aragon. Yeah, that's true. It's hard to see the stage. Yes. The stage was not that high. The stage, If the stage had been a little higher... That would help. It would have yeah. helped a lot, yeah. But, he had, but maybe uh, it removes intimacy, I don't know, but 
no one where we were could see anything. Yeah, but he had five people in the band, himself, a drummer, two key players, and then a bassist. Yeah. The drummer uh, was great. She was very, very she was good. And when point. she and when he would when he would do the old white stripes songs, she changed her style and did more of a Meg thing. Yeah. They were they were in sync with one another. When I could yeah. when I could see him on stage, he spent a lot of time communicating with her with his guitar mm-hmm. and you know leading the band uh, yeah. through her yeah yeah so that was cool uh but I, overall a fun show i mean a lot different than the chicago theater and auditorium theater shows that he did in yeah. chicago but i i couldn't help but think how uh what that would sound like at a, at a festival at a Lollapalooza, and um that i think would go over really well it would it's a very big sound it's a, it's a, it's a very big sound, sound. yeah it's not. It's not a you know quiet, mellow, laid back vibe. I mean, he's in your face, rock and roll, and pretty much the whole time. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's great. So, so that's it. We saw us uh, show number two of the 2018 tour with Jack White, and I don't know what he's calling this band, if anything. I'm not sure. Worth the trip, though. Yeah, yeah, it really was worth the trip to Milwaukee. But now we're driving back, and okay, I don't know why. What am I thinking? I'm thinking. Maybe there might be something to eat there. Like at the Aragon, you know, they have popcorn and a hot dog or something. Um, I don't know what I was thinking. They don't have food. They don't have food at Metro. Why would they have food there? They had no food. So we, um, we uh, first thing that we had to eat since lunch, um, some trail mix. And my <laughs> trail mix. It's a hearty meal. And my trail mix is like a bad, it's down a bad trail. It's just all chocolate and raisins. It's kind of like a, eating a chunky well, so. I'll give you some of mine. mine. Mine has a lot of peanuts and uh, some oh, m so you made a wiser well. choice. Yeah. Wiser choice. But they also, we, also start, we also wanted to get spotted cow. They wouldn't Blair's let us buy beer. it. Yeah. It's, 9 p.m. curfew on beer at the Lovey. This is the weird part. The sign said, no beer sales 9 p.m. to 9 a.m. Monday through Sunday. Why wouldn't they just say no beer sales 9 p.m. to 9 a.m.? Because Monday through Sunday is the entire week. Right? Unless, I, I, uh, unless is there I'm another day that we're not thinking otherwise. about? I don't no, think so. No, there Sun- hasn't been another one. Monday through was it Sunday through Monday or Monday through Sunday? Monday through Sunday. That's the whole week. And most people say Sunday through Monday, so we got we got we got to call loves. And see I think it, I think it, it's, you're right. It should just say no beer sales after nine. Yeah, that'd make more sense. Now I'm kind of questioning my whole existence, but well, it, that's it, what happened. We had to uh, figure out what that sign meant, and then she told us in no uncertain terms that there was no beer sales after nine o'clock. But this is this is fantastic. Right next to the cash register, they're selling Spartan masks, like the ones that you see, saw in three hundred, for like ninety five dollars a piece. What's the Spartan mask? It's like a like an iron steel mask that has a cut down the middle that the warriors wear. You know, like old Spartan warriors wear, <laughs> or like a knight. You know, coming from medieval times, or and they were selling like that. that for ninety-five dollars. Yeah, right next to the cash register. Why? I, I again, it's a truck I stop. Know. I don't know. There are also showers and bedrooms yeah. in the place. <laughs> I went. I went to the bathroom. And, uh, <laughs> there were showers. It was. It's uh, you know, truckers. Truckers like a bad day. Came on to sleep in the cab all the time. You know, if I was a trucker, this would probably get me killed. But I'd get one of those smart masks. Yeah. Find a sleeping trucker. And just peer through his window until they wake up, and that's the first thing they see when they wake up. You know what he'd say? You got that in love. Yeah. <laughs> Check mine out. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, wish us well. We hope we make it back. I'm sure we will. And uh, talk to you later. I'm Marty Leonard. I'm Marty Rosebaum. 
See ya. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.